Gertz coming at you with another special show here. We're going to wrap up the reviews that we've been doing for the Viceland wrestling documentaries called Dark Side of the Ring. Normally, Norco does these, but he unfortunately is unable to make this episode. So I am stepping in to fill his shoes. We are talking the season finale of the first season, which delved into Fabulous Moolah. And one thing that we definitely have unique for this episode is we do have a special guest. He's actually no stranger to these airwaves or to Geekville Radio. And somebody who actually knew Fabulous Moolah uh, pretty well. And that is Crazy Train Jonathan Bullock. Train, how are you doing? All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Not bad. Uh, I told you in the pre-recording, uh, I don't need any prep to talk about Moolah. Uh, I could be three sheets to the wind to talk about Moolah at the drop of the hat. For our listeners that don't know, my trainer was trained by the fabulous Moolah. He was in the first class of male wrestlers that Moolah trained in 1985. Uh, I spent many, many days sitting in Moolah's uh, uh, kitchen talking to her and her daughter, who we will talk about as we review this because they're pro, you know, her daughter Flossie, which is what I knew her as. Mary, I believe, is a real name. Are prominent in this documentary. Uh, the house that you saw, the complex, the building with the ring. I've been there. I, I was a pallbearer at the woman's funeral. So yeah, to say that I knew Lillian a little bit, I, I guess, would be an understatement. <laughs> right. Because uh, correct but, uh, me if I'm wrong. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things you kind of have to know somebody a certain amount before you can call them by their shoot name. So, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I mean, a lot of wrestlers never know each other by their real name. You know, I mean, there are guys I've known God, 20 years, 25 years in the business, and they still call me Crazy Train. Mm-hmm. They know my real name, but I'm I'm Crazy Train. I Mula think was I, I think I physically <laughs> like maybe called you Jonathan like once or twice, like mm-hmm. once in an email, I think, you know, <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean. Yes, I, I Lillian Ellison was Moolah's real name, and I will refer to her as Lil or Lillian sometimes, but whenever I spoke to her in person, she was Moolah, and I was trained. She never called me Jonathan. She called me Hun mostly, but she called everybody Hun, so that's, right. that's but I, I, I digress. Right. Now, one thing I think we can say about these documentaries is kind of like what I say when we talk movies on Geekville Radio, that how like the Marvel movies, they don't make them for people like us who grew up and read all the comics. They make them for people who just want to see fun movies with these characters that they like. These documentaries, I think if you're a serious hardcore wrestling fan, there's probably not a lot of new stuff here. Now, granted, I didn't know Moolah, her career very much. So there was things, things I learned. I actually didn't know she had a daughter, but I think for somebody that follows wrestling really closely. They didn't make these documentaries for those people. They made them for the people that will tune into, you know, the real life true crimes of, you know, Beverly Hills or something like that, you know. Right. That But I, I I I do think and I've only seen two in, in full, this one and and the the death of Bruiser Brody. And I've seen part of the Von Eric one. I think they do a good job, but even if you're a very hardcore fan or even a person like me who's in the business who's heard some of these stories actually firsthand. Mm-hmm. I've heard Dutch's take of Bruiser's death and a lot more than what he went into on the documentary. Uh, you know, I was involved in Moolah's life at the end of it. Um, I, I, you know, uh, Susan Green, who's my mentor, is friends of the Von Ericks from Texas. So I've heard a lot of this stuff firsthand. You know, I'm, fr- I'm friends with Tully Blanchard, so I know the G- some of the Geno stuff from firsthand. Um, 
doesn't mean that I'm not still fascinated because I think they do a great job at organizing them in an entertaining, uh, concise format that's that's digestible and even for those of us that know a lot of the particulars, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the the main people that they talk to, really, the only one that I recognized was, of course, uh, Wendy Richter, and I felt kind of bad. Uh, when I was watching her because I was thinking, uh, you know, when's she going to get in the Hall of Fame? And then I found out Piper inducted her in 2010. But, She's in the Hall of Fame, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I like, normally I know that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, then that, that, that's good. Uh, Bambi, I remember vaguely, but uh, I just remember when I would see her talk and, and uh, you know, talk about her history and such. And one of my first impressions was she looked like just about any woman I saw driving a pickup truck to the dirt track races at Santa Fe Speedway in 1985. And then that's not an insult, of course. That's, that, you know, that, that, that's, that's not to sound bad, but then well, like, I remember Bambi, Bambi's gimmick is the Georgia peach and that's kind of a shoot. Right. Right. And about 90 seconds after I wrote that in my notes, there's a picture of Moolah in a seventies, Ford pickup truck. So, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, she did run her school in Columbia, South Carolina. I remember that. <laughs> Corny, Jim Cornette was was part of it as well. Uh, now Mary, I like I said, I didn't know that Mula had a daughter, so only I child. She looked nothing like Mula. I think she came across as likable, but they, you know, in the end, that's her mom. You know. Yep. So and I think like, that's like I like I said for those of us that knew her and, and know her because she's still alive. It's Flossie. That's her nickname. I, I mean, I think I heard her called Mary once. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has she has children, so Mula had a lot of grandkids and great grands. Uh, uh, her most notable grandchild would be once again another example was Flossie's oldest son, who I believe his real name is William, but I've always known him as Hippie because he had long hair. So everybody's always called him Hippie. That's mm-hmm. how he was introduced to me. You know, this is my son, Hippie. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's not just wrestlers that have handles, I guess, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but yeah, she came across as likable. Uh, Michael McCoy, son of Sweet Georgia Brown, the one that was a pastor. I think mm-hmm. I think he came across as likable because he came across as somebody that uh, he wanted to make peace with his past because you know he didn't choose that upbringing. You know, if, if that right. makes sense. You know, so I right. think he accepted right. what happened so he could make peace with it and and move on. Well, I, um, it was that was that was fascinating to me. I've heard the name. I've seen some photos. Um, but all the girls that I'm friends with, and most of them were Moolah girls from the seventies, she was before their era. She mm-hmm. was a sixties girl, you know? So, uh, uh, suffice it to say the, 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 the shade that they threw the, the controversial or, you know, the, the dirt, so to speak, this, the s- sensational stuff that people kind of tune in to watch these things for. She was one of the, you know, they started with, uh, those rumors, I heard them before I got in the business, and once Moolah became a part of, of my upbringing in, in the business, they were whispered in behind closed doors. So, you know, nothing that was said here shocked me. Does that right. make sense? Right, right, yeah. I don't want to change the subject. Go back to what, you, what you're going to say. But the only thing that struck me as maybe something that might have been stretched was when they brought up the double cross, the, that infamous double cross for Moolah's Spider Lady against Wendy. Because I was like, uh, Wendy couldn't tell that that was Moolah, but I've heard Roddy Piper talk about that as well. And he said something to the effect of, 
she just hadn't truly seen kind of the underbelly. She was put into the spotlight right. because of the look and, and, you know, she knew Cindy Lauper and all that stuff. So maybe yeah, she was just a little bit naive. That's the way I heard it. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll address that in a sec. But to go back to the earlier stuff, the, the essentially pimping out the girls and mm-hmm. the, um, the drugs and stuff, uh, this is my take on it. Right. I know Luna. I considered Luna Vachon a friend. Um, I love Luna. Uh, she did not like it working for Moolah. She had always intimated to me that she she never came out and said, well, Moolah pimped me out. But the way it was framed in the documentary was the same way Moolah, that Luna would, would intimate it to me, that mm-hmm. it was kind of suggested that if you were nice to the right people, they might be good to you. Does that make sense? Right. Kind of the scratch my back type thing, but not in the literal right. sense. Right. And here's the thing. Does that make Moolah a bad person? One, I don't know if she actually did it. Two, I wouldn't be surprised if she did. Three, does that make her any different than anybody else in the world, even in today's Me Too world? No. Right. Um, look, it's it's a wrestling is it was a boys' club for years. These were uh, back. Well, I mean, it, you cannot. I've said it a gazillion times here. Geek, you can't apply today's social standards and the mistakes that we've learned from and abide by today to years ago. You know, my personal opinion, they did talk a lot about Buddy Lee, which, of course, was Moolah's husband. And this is crazy train speculation based on talking to a lot of the girls that work for Moolah, getting to know Moolah myself, things of that nature. I I don't think Moolah personally ever flat out said in these words, you sleep with this wrestler or this promoter because I told you to. I don't think that ever came out of Lillian's mouth. Do I think she may be when asked? Well, you think you would help my career? If, of course, we'll say probably will, hon. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah. I, there's there's all that stuff that happens in the entertainment business. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we're we're uh, clean rated on here, but I think I can say casting couch without getting a explicit yeah, tag yeah. put on us. That that type right. of thing, you know. And I do believe that Buddy Lee was more about that than, than Mula was. Okay, and you have to remember. Go back to the 100th episode of the old A1 podcast where I'm on as a guest and I talk about the history of women's wrestling from the early days before Moolah, okay? Mildred Burke and her husband, Buddy Wolf, ran the business and the girls of the business the same way for 30 years that Moolah and Buddy Lee did after them. So it wasn't like Moolah and, and Buddy were doing anything that hadn't been done before. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying it was, it, it was what it was. And... Um, of course, there's the tentilating with, with sweet George Brown, there's the tentilating extra of not only being a woman, but being a woman of color, you know? Right. So, uh, and, and believe me, I've talked to enough guys, uh, not girls, but guys from that era who are African-American, uh, Burhead Jones, Porkchop Cash. It was not easy to be a wrestler back then in the South, you know, it just wasn't uh, a black wrestler. So I understand, um, it, it I, I just think that I, all I know, you even saw this at the end of the documentary with uh, Princess Victoria. Mm-hmm. Even those who had issue working with Moolah, very few of them will completely bury her in the end. They'll all say, "You're talking about you're talking about somebody who's dead and can't defend themselves. You're talking about and you're talking about things you don't understand." And she gave me my chance, whether I like it or not. You know, 
Right. Even and, the and you look the- at some of those names, like even in that Princess Victoria. I mean, you, you know, Lilani Kai, Velvet McIntyre, uh-huh. gals who uh-huh. definitely were, you know, stars for their era. You know, Lilani mm-hmm. was what she was uh, first WrestleMania, I think. Right. Yeah, she was the champion. There was some mm. Moolah wanted to be the champ, but obviously Vince was going for younger because this is when he was going his national expansion. So that was the compromise that was that was <clears throat> made was that Lilani would be the champion and Moolah would just be the manager. Right. You got to realize by the time the first WrestleMania were on, Lillian was in her sixties. Right. Right. So she was well past her prime. Yeah, and, and, and and naturally there there is that thing you know talking about the previous A one episodes and I also did. Uh, take the conversation you had with uh, uh, with Susan on uh, a classic wrestling memories. It's like episode three or four or something like that. And I mm-hmm. kind of remixed it for that. But when they talked about, you know, uh, the champion for 28 years or all these times undefeated, and I'm just like, uh, well, Plus, yeah, Susan didn't have something to say about that. Well, <laughs> you know? she's not the only one. She was There was a, somebody else that beat her, too, and I can't remember it was. She lost twice in the 70s. They're just yeah. ignoring the record books. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean... Whether they those were short runs, and that's you know me. I have all the respect in the world for Susan. Susan will even take it. it was a short run, you know. Right. For 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 what it's worth, Moolah was synonymous with women's wrestling for twenty something years, you right. know, almost thirty. So it, it, it's um, I didn't think the documentary was bad. I think it I think it was um, it might shock some people, especially in today's day and age. Like I said, in the midst of the Me Too movement, where oh, these yes. issues are very very sensitive, you know, mm-hmm. and they're very much at the front of of. It's it's like you like to say all the time, Seth. There's always been an underbelly to wrestling, and sometimes it shocks people. It, what do I say all the time? It's, it's like Wizard of Oz and pulling back the curtain, right? Right. Uh, you know, if it bothers you that bad, then stop watching wrestling. Stop giving it your money. Right. But if that, you can accept that it's part of its past and whatever, then enjoy it for what it is. Right. You know? Right. That that has always been my my part of it. It's like you can't continue to watch it and then continue to somehow be repulsed by it because you can't be that repulsed by it if you still continue to watch it right and if you tell me well i'm just watching it on torrents or whatever you're still taking the time and effort to to investment of your time to consume it you're still hooked you know yeah now but but, i um, I think uh i think we'd agree and a lot of people would agree it's definitely cleaned up especially the way women have been depicted in oh yeah wwe and i think quite frankly and uh, to you know, to take the line you've been saying, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking out of the dead, but I think the women in many ways are depicted differently than how they were under Mula. Because if I understand it right, Mula, she kind of did that, you know, the, the 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 hair whip and flop and the you know, kind of the more mm-hmm. more roll around. Whereas Mildred Burke was a serious athlete who was taken seriously as a wrestler, right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She did like, and not saying Mula didn't. Mula invented the worked cat fight kind of. Thing that mm-hmm. you saw from the 60s on until heck the divas were doing it you know they would incorporate the divas would incorporate some of the newer high flying moves but it was right. still you know the snapmare by the hair and biting and stuff like that yeah stuff fight. that you know sunny or missy height might do if they got physical mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. right like i said it was it was a, a worked cat fight with wrestling spots mixed in and uh i mean we ain't never was about it mula was tough tough lady you know <clears throat> she was double tough lady was she the toughest wrestler heck no but she wasn't she was she wasn't a pushover by any stretch of the imagination but my thoughts on wendy richter mm-hmm. um i have only met R- wendy one time um so i can't say that i know her uh, it, it's I, I i can say this and this is i don't this is not a slam on wendy most of the girls i know that were her contemporaries were not the biggest fans of wendy um 
she was much like Hogan, right place, right time, but did not have the experience of Hogan uh, at the time. Or I don't, and this is going to sound bad. I don't know if she was as smart as or business savvy as Hogan was. You know, that was what Vince wanted. He wanted the mm-hmm. he wanted a, a, a top babyface male, a top babyface female, and we discussed just a little while ago Moolah's age. That's why Wendy was the perfect fit. You know. Right, because they completely changed Wendy Richter. She'd only been in the business about three years. She's from Dallas, Texas. She was doing a cowgirl gimmick, and the next thing you know, she's a rock and roll girl. That's a big switch, isn't it? Right, right. I mean, I do think the look that they had kind of fit because they wanted to do that rock and wrestling thing, and she really looked right. like you know she could have gone right. on stage with you know the uh, the Go Go's or somebody like that, or, or right, or, um, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. That's not who Wendy is, or what she was looking like before that point. You know, right? She's right, a cowgirl. Exactly. She's yeah. from she's from Texas. So you know, it, it's um, I think you know, I I believe I've heard the same interview you referred to earlier with Piper, mm-hmm. and I, I tend to agree based on just my own personal opinions of knowing the inside workings of the business and talking to a lot of the girls that were around at that time. Wendy wasn't smart enough within the business for what it was at that time to understand a double cross she just did not understand it and so i think she was shocked now i think and i'd have to check with judy i believe judy usually was the spider woman judy martin sorry yeah yeah because i think she did say that uh whether she said it in the that document i know piper had talked about it that that she was working with a different spider lady and then she saw somebody different in the costume you know whether she put it together that it was Mueller or not. You know I'm I'm not sure. But. Now she claims to this day, including on the documentary, she didn't know who it was. Right. Okay. I think Wendy had a good idea at at least. If best, she's an idiot, and I do not think Wendy's an idiot. So no, mm-hmm. I think she's just basically kept that public up, kept that up in the public to make herself look from being dumb. And well, I don't yeah. know why. Or, that or, that's my opinion. That's yeah, my opinion. Or, okay. or maybe. Uh, you know, to kind of give her the benefit of the doubt, maybe she saw it, thought it was Mula, and thought, "Oh, okay, well, there's a run-in. Maybe we unmask, and then the real one comes right. out, or something like that." Right you know? now, here was here is a difference. Judy and Judy and 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 Mula are very similar body frame wise, but Judy is bigger. She's taller. Judy's almost my height. You know, right. and it's if you had watched if you watched WWE wrestling at the time, and I did, did watch some, mostly I was in the Crockett's, but I did watch some. The, the spider lady who comes out in the ring entrance that beats Wendy Richter is obviously shorter than the regular spider lady. This is my opinion as a worker, a guy who's been in the ring thousands of times. This is what I think happened. This is complete speculation on my part, part ladies and gentlemen, but please, this is what I think happened. I think Wendy was confused, going, this is not Judy. That's not Judy under the hood. They lock up. Hey, hon. It's Moolah. Or, or I even said it was her name. She might have just said, hey, Judy's sick tonight. I'm just filling in for her. Let's just go ahead and do this thing. Because mm-hmm. if you watch the match, it wasn't a shoot. You know, they were working. They were working together. They were calling spots and doing spots. And, and I wouldn't even be shocked if, you know, Vince was the one that wanted to get it off Wendy because she was getting too big for her britches, right? Well, I think she even said in the documentary she thinks it may have been because she's essentially asked for a raise. You know, she thought Hogan's making yeah. all this money. Well, she's the top female babyface, so she should be getting that kind of money. And she just she didn't understand she wasn't the one drawing the crown. Crown. Right. Of, it was it was it was Hogan. But you know, that's that's neither here nor there. What I think what I think happened is I think that you know that just 
I think it was Vince. And mm-hmm. I think Vince was trying to figure out how to get it off of her. He went to Mula because Mula had all the girls, and Mula just could not handle the fact that she wasn't on top. She was one of those aging stars. This is, one again, all speculation on my part, ladies and gentlemen. And she said, well, I'll just take it, Vince, and this is how we'll do it. And mm-hmm. Vince, who's, well, how are you going to do it? How are you going to get it? How are you going to? And she, you know, Vince is not a wrestler. He's a promoter. Well, I can, I can hook that, that, that small package in real tight, and she won't be able to kick out. And if you go back and look, Moolah did hook it in tight, and Wendy did kick out, but the ref just kept counting, you know? So the ref was probably told beforehand, I would imagine then, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. He was in on it. So, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things. I think it just Wendy realizes what happened, and she's just to save face is keeping up this story. I didn't know who it was. And why, after all these years, she thinks it's making her look less dumb, I don't know. But like I said, once again, that's all my opinion. I could be wrong. Right. Now, when you say Judy, you mean Judy Martin, you know, Glamour Girls Judy, right? Yeah, yeah, Leilani Kaisparter, yes. Yes, Judy, who I'm also very close to. And I'm close to Leilani as well, Patty. Now, there is one that I actually call by her real name. <laughs> but everybody, yeah. everybody that knows Leilani calls Leilani Patty. But, right. you know, that's, that's, a, that, that's an oddity in the business, you know. Well, because I think outside of WWE, she used some simulation of her, her real name. Because she had a cup of coffee in WCW. It was like Patty Stonegrinder or something like that. Right, right. Some of the other girls involved, I mean, they talked to Judy. They talked to. I was shocked that they had Bambi and Peggy Lee on because mm-hmm. Bambi and Peggy Lee were both trained by Moolah. Like all girls were, not all of them, but the vast majority were trained by them, by her back then. They didn't stick. They, unlike a lot of the other girls, didn't stick around. They both got out from under Moolah and started working indies in Georgia and the South. You know, mm-hmm. so. And at that point, when when Bambi and Peggy Lee were trained, was when Moolah was just wasn't training girls as much, and she had moved on to training the guys like Bubba, my trainer, and Alan Kinsey and Big Al Navarro, and 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 most famously Del Wilkes, the Patriot, and she helped polish up guys like like uh, Chris Canyon. You know, um, so. Mm-hmm. That that you know by that point she wasn't training a lot of girls anyway. So, but but you know so if you want to argue that Bambi and Peggy Lee defending Moolah so much is because they weren't around, there is some truth to that. They just weren't around the seventies for all these other girls, like these other girls were. You know, right. when Moolah truly had a stranglehold on the business of women's wrestling. So uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not denying. Look, I don't know Bambi and Peggy Lee, so I, I'm not going to speak for them. I'm just saying that you guys weren't around then. So I'm not saying that what you're saying are lies or that these aren't your real feelings. I'm just saying I understand why maybe some of the other girls who are around who are under Mula's thumb, so to speak, in a different era were have a little bit different view of her. That's all. Right. Right. Well, I guess kind of kind of two wrap up questions here. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I really think. Uh, overall, like you said, you know, they don't outright depict that she was telling people to do things this way or that way, right? It was just kind of that right. underlying, you know, you know, care for mama, mama cares for you type thing. Um, right. You know, and I think we kind of agree that that's, that's more of an entertainment business thing than, than just wrestling right. then, right? Yeah, my, my personal opinion is that Buddy Lee probably was very complicit in it. In fact, to the, I know for a fact that Buddy Lee... Like they depict on the, on, on the show, Moolah walked in on him sleeping with one of the girls and kicked his butt to the curb. Mm-hmm. My thought is, and, and this is just something to think about, folks. This was back in the 1960s. People didn't get divorced back then. Who's to say Moolah was happy about her husband doing this? And when she finally saw the opportunity to get rid of him, she did. And even back then, it was controversial to leave your husband. 
So once again, don't apply today's standards on something back then. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I'm not trying to defend Mulu because I do think she at least knew what was going on. I, do I think she was 100% involved? Probably to some extent, but maybe uh, maybe not like you said to where she was actually giving the marching orders. You go do this or I'm getting rid. I'm not booking you. You know, right, right. But the story that Victoria gave about Moolah making sure that all the other girls were present when she gave her the expensive ring gear, that's Moolah. That was that's mm-hmm. just being a worker. She mm-hmm. was just trying to – she was the alpha female, and she was trying to make them girls know I'm in charge. And I know that sounds tacky, but it is what it is. Right, right. Yeah, That, that pretty much covers what I was uh, going to say as well. Like, Do you think it was fair or an accurate depiction as far as what went on? Yeah, I mean, I think it skimmed the surface. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. more there. And, and quite frankly, you're not ever going to hear it unless somebody in the business like me tells you, and I'm not. Right. There are things right. I'm not saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, it, you know, it comes down to that thing of you don't really want to see all the skeletons in the closet that, you know, I, and, I think you know what I'm saying here. You know, there, there's stuff right. that I think if the general public heard about it, not just in wrestling, but in, you know, in the movie industry and such of, you know, they they wonder how things went this far, and it's just like mm-hmm. it's probably best just to you know keep it in the well, closet. Let me, there. Let, 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 let me say this, and this is probably going to get me some a thousand more, ten thousand more blog posts and and dirty tweets. But uh, some of the stuff that I I'm not telling y'all, y'all haven't earned the right to hear it. No offense, mm-hmm. you haven't earned the right. You want to earn the right? Come down here, get trained, work for ten years up and down the road, paying your dues, and then maybe I'll smarten you up. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. I will say this. Two things I found funny, okay? And then you can say whatever you want to wrap it up. Seth. One, you remember the scene where they showed the, the sweet Georgia Brown's son who'd become a preacher go into the house? And, of course, it was a reenactment with actors that faces were darkened right. of Moolah showing her the picture of, of her mother and, and these other wrestlers. Uh, I'm not saying that didn't happen. I can guarantee you. They did not sit in Moolah's living room and do that. Anytime you went to Moolah's house, she was sitting at her kitchen table, drinking a cup of coffee with the phone, one well, of those old school phones sitting on the, on the kitchen table next to her. Guarantee you. I have, I've had a lot of cup of coffee sitting at that table. That is where Moolah <laughs> held court. Okay, it was not in her living room. Moolah's house, she built it back in the 60s when her and Buddy were still together. And um, it was like stepping into a time capsule. She bought – it was obvious that when she bought the furniture and the interior d- decorating of her home, it was top of the line back when she bought it, and then she never updated it. Mm-hmm. And like everything was literally covered in plastic because she just like – almost like she didn't want it to ever get aged or get old and never wanted people to sit on or mess with it. That was just one of her idiosyncrasies. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like <laughs> so, a hipster dream house these days. <laughs> kind of is if you think about it. And and I don't know if that's why she always held court in the kitchen. Uh, I know you never took food or drink into the living room. Never. That always stayed in the kitchen, you know. But I, I can't. And it was, I mean, I guarantee you, no matter what Moolah said she was doing, her butt was sitting at her sitting at that co- at that kitchen table with a cup of coffee in her hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that phone next to her. And nine times out of ten, Flossie or Mary, her daughter, would be sitting right next to her having a cup of coffee with her. So <laughs> that that was... Hollywood eyes, to say the least, you know, yeah, so yeah. I found that funny. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was, do you remember there was a scene where they showed a small yellow building, had yellow siding on it with a couple of garbage cans out front? Yeah, that's the gym. 
It was just barely big enough to get get the ring in. And I have been in that building and I have bled in that building. I have taken a lot of bumps in the ring that were <laughs> I don't think the rings is, I think the ring has gotten sold since Mula died. The last time I've been to the compound was literally the day that we buried Mula. After uh after the funeral, uh several of us that had ties to Mula went back to the house. There was food there for the extended family and we were, you know, those of us that were they had they had two we had two groups of pallbearers. You had the actual pallbearers that were her, who were hippies kids that carried the casket. And then the other row behind them at, at, at the funeral home was the honorary pallbearers. And it was a large group of wrestlers that were, had ties to Moolah. It was people like Susan Green and Donna Cristantello and Judy Martin and Ilani Kai and myself and her last trainer, which was a guy, local guy named Buddy Burke, Chris Canyon. You get the idea, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was the second group. And we stood with the pallbearers at the graveside. And they did show, I think, a still of, of Shane making an address at the graveside that was from his father. I remember that. Yeah. yeah um, I think I, I think there was a little bit of that that aired mm-hmm. on, on Raw or something like that when, when they were paying tribute right. to her. Right, right. And and it was um I mean, and then there were other wrestling dignitaries in the in the audience. Stephanie spoke at the funeral, Shane spoke at the graveside, uh Ric Flair was there. Uh, Mike Mooneyham was there because I remember standing next between the two of them after uh, after all the pallbearers had gone and given our condolences to the family at the graveside. And, and uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to Champ and Mike real quick and then work my way back over to the other pallbearers. But they're the only two I can really really sticking out. I'm sure there were others there, but they're the two that stuck out. My, just because I happened to be standing next to them at the graveside, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But, but um, I, it, I, anyway. Yeah, I think uh, overall, it, the best way I could look at it is it did seem to be fair. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't think, think so. I think so. It yeah. didn't go into the details, and it's the. I'll be honest with you, for all the stuff, the, all the grief that Mula caught when they had the the you know they had to change the name of the of the, the Battle Royal a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is what they started. The the that that was kind of what was the impetus that they began this documentary with. The stuff that's really what I would say damning that I told you, you know, you just, sorry, you don't, you haven't earned the right to know that none of that was brought up. It's because it's not even known to even the most hardcore fans. Makes sense. Yeah. So, and that stuff that, um, I don't think hurts the business. I think if anything, it makes Moolah look a little bad, very powerful people. And Mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up on that. This has been a special edition of the wrestling brethren. We've got a lot of uh, shows coming out this week, actually. And, of course, the website is TWB Podcast, if you want to catch up on all our shows there. And on social media, we are TWBP Show. That's for the Wrestling Brethren Podcast Show. And you can find us in our forums at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com and Behind the Squared Circle on Facebook and Train. If anybody wants to send you that 10,000-word blog post for your thoughts on women's <laughs> wrestling, where can they find you? Find you. At, at CrazyTrain underscore JB. Uh, remember, my mentor is a wrestling legend. My grandmother was Moolah, one of the biggest women wrestlers of all time. So if you think I disrespect or don't like women wrestling, you don't know what you're talking about. I just have a little bit more pragmatic and insider understanding of it than you probably do. All right, with that said, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll be back shortly talking Money in the Bank and previewing AEW's Double or Nothing. The 
Wrestling Brethren are not sponsored or endorsed by any products, shows, or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts of the Wrestling Brethren are purely their own and do not represent the views of any guests, websites, sponsors, or affiliates. Some media used on the Wrestling Brethren podcast is the copyright of its respective owners, all rights reserved. 